0: And then there's a letter, and the letter's from Paul. And uh, it is the letter of Philippians. So you have that letter. You can fill out some of the spaces in there and hope you enjoy uh, uh, looking at that. So we need to go to God in prayer and, uh, and begin. Let's pray together, please. A righteous and gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this day to live and to move and have our very being Please watch over us through this study hour. Please guide us into all truth and open up our minds to understand your holy and divine word. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Be thy will. Amen. Okay, so again, Paul's in prison. He's writing this letter and um, the Philippian congregation, the church of Philippi. Um, there are kind of some interesting things that happen in Philippi. You think of Lydia, uh, over in that Europe uh, area, the Macedonian call, uh, the, uh, the Philippian jailers. Some interesting things are going on in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. And, uh, it, it brings us to now the congregation is established and you have this, this book, this letter that's written that is so powerful, uh, it has so many pieces to it that we can actually, we're going to kind of nitpick it just to get through it. So the key chapter and verse of Philippians is chapter 4 and verse 4. Thank you. Chapter 4 and verse 4 is the key. So remember, Paul's in jail. He's looking at a, a, like all Christians, at a a death sentence. Um, But he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, Again, I will say rejoice. It kind of puts that verse into a a great perspective, right? That's what this letter is all about. It's about rejoicing uh, in Christ Jesus, and the the letter is not only a uh, a letter that is encouraging, but it's just an amazing letter. Chapter one, verse one. He goes into being a bond servant. He says, "I am a bond servant." I'm not bound by the Romans. I'm, I'm bound by Christ. Voluntarily. And, uh, and loves the fact of being bound by Christ. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here comes that, that grace, right? The grace that is necessary The peace of God. Do we have any other reason to rejoice? God's grace and God's peace and being at peace with God? That's why Paul can say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because he has grace and he has peace, even in his very circumstance uh, that he is in. So currently, while he's in jail, he's thinking about this congregation of uh, Philippi, and uh, he writes beginning at, at verse three, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And I want to kind of look at three through 11 and, and talk for just a moment. First of all, he's writing the letter to saints and just everyone, right? All the leadership, everyone in, in this body of, of believers or amongst this body of believers. And when he prays, he says, this is what I'm doing. I'm thanking my God for you talking to the Philippian congregation, but think about this. I'm thanking my God for you. Every time I think of you, I'm thanking my God for you. Verse 4, always offering prayer with joy in my, every prayer for you all. So there's joy when he thinks of the Philippian congregation and he, and he thinks of God. He's so happy to pray to God about that church that congregation he's filled with joy it's the congregation that brings joy to an imprisoned mind to the apostle paul and then in verse 5 and 7 and 8 let's listen to why he says he prays verse 5 in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now verse 7 for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and, and in my, uh, excuse me, in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so he was thankful to God and to the Philippian congregation because they were partners in his ministry, right? They supported him financially, and they were with him, and he was so excited about the fact that they are partakers and and supporters of God's work, and they financially and through prayer participated in his ministry with him. He wasn't alone, even though he was in prison. Okay, listen to verse verse 6. What is he praying about for the congregation? For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay? Verse 9. What is he praying? Verse 9. In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. 10. So that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so so what a, what a prayer and a bit of confidence that God is going to finish the work that he started in you, right? So the church, the congregation began and they know that God is working. This is really important. God is working in them and through them to completion to his work whatever God's work was for this congregation here's a confirmation from Paul saying God is working in you and God is going to bring that work to completion and it's a good work it's a good work of God and then he brings out to us in verse 9 that he wanted them to be filled with love and this real knowledge right but we go back to the same argument over and over again about Gnosticism where there's this false knowledge but in Christ there's a real knowledge or a true knowledge and so he says I'm praying that God keeps you in this in this real knowledge what's really important and what is that God right that's what's really important so this real knowledge and understanding of God that as you're living your life you might live it blamelessly right with all discernment I want you to have real knowledge, which brings discernment, right? And so it makes you blameless. And then the last, last part of that, in verse 11, to be filled with righteousness, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, as opposed to unrighteousness and the wickedness that is going on in the world. And so the letter is, is powerful. He begins with this amazing uh explanation of his prayer life and why he's praying for them and then you continue reading verses 12 through 19 and you realize that there are some issues going on there's some people who are preaching jesus but they're not their motives aren't pure right they're, they're doing it almost like when you read the text to um to cause maybe some jealousy to um they're, they're doing this to create problems within the brotherhood they're just not sincere right but even though that's happening paul is is still preaching he's in the, the prisons and he's preaching to romans now who would have ever thought of this except for god tells us that paul is going to preach to kings but who would have ever thought that those bad mean horrible roman jailers would be converted to christ who would have ever thought that right who would have the courage well if paul's in prison what is paul doing in prison Well, yeah, he's fasting, he's praying, he's singing. We know that in Acts chapter 16. They're singing, and they're praying, and they're rejoicing. And that kind of messes your mind up when you're a prison guard. You're supposed to be, you know, in a a sad moment and thinking about your death and realizing that you're in trouble. And these aren't like American prisons. (laughs) These are dungeons, right? These are horrible places that these guys are in. And Paul is down there doing what? Rejoicing talking to people, talking to the the inmates about Jesus. Can you imagine when they went and if, you know, however that worked, they brought him bread and water. And what his attitude was like for that one piece of bread and for that one cup of water. You know, he was an amazing man even in prison or in these difficult circumstances. So reading the Philippian uh, letter is so powerful when you think about all these prison epistles. When you think about the condition of the of the writer by inspiration to the individuals they weren't like today we're in a a happy place they were in a horrible place and yet he says rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice i am rejoicing i'm filled with joy because you're a part of my ministry i'm not i'm not here alone you're with me god is with me and so it brings us all the way to the the idea now in verse twenty one. Okay, he's facing uh, he's facing death, but he has his belief that he's going to be released, and he was, by the way. But in verse twenty-one, Paul starts with this, this teaching that's supposed to resonate in our hearts in such a way to transform the mind. Right? He says to, for me to live, is Christ, and to die. gain how many Christians think that way about life that life is a prison and death is freedom to live to live is is living for Jesus and beneficial to the work of Jesus but to die is my victory (laughs) wait a minute why is he saying that is it true What do you think? Of course it's true, right? But do we think that way as God's people? That while on the earth there's this, we're burdened and we're, we're, we go through trials and tribulations. And this is all about Christ while we're alive. But when we die, it's our victory. Think about that. Heaven is so amazing that God doesn't even take the time to really try and describe it to us. Because we wouldn't understand it, we wouldn't understand it at all. In fact, remember when the, Paul says uh, uh, in Second in Corinthians that I know a man whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And he starts talking about this this paradise type um, moment, and and in his in his conversation, he says, "By the way, there's this language they speak that I, I can't even utter it." Right, and then he starts talking about this this place, and you're going, "What, what does that even mean? Right? What what kind of place is? Can you imagine?" A day being like a thousand years for you? Because now you're in this new outside of time? No, we can't imagine. What does that even mean, right? Because we're finite. We're talking about the infinite. We're talking about going from, from mortality to immortality. Could you ever think about being immoral? You know, living for the rest of your time. So who we are, the mind, well, that's who we are. It lives on forever. And then we'll get a new body and all those kinds of things. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 so to live in this life is living a, living it for Christ. And the blessing is the victory that comes next. And that's how we're supposed to view life. Paul says that's why we can rejoice always in all circumstances. Because we know that we're going from life to victory. It's almost like we're that track star who's running the marathon. And you're you're you know you're not even a mile out maybe you're uh an eighth of a mile out and you can see the finish line and then you know occasionally you look behind you and there's no one in sight and you know at this point you probably could walk the rest of the way but you know your mind won't let you do it you keep running and you just see the finish line and that's what we're supposed to see right that we're still in the race we're still in the arena we're still running for jesus but we can see the finish line and it's not even will we reach it it's like i can walk and get there. I can be casual and get there. It's so exciting. So Paul says, you know, I'm in this situation where I'm in prison, but you got to realize that it's okay that I'm in prison and it's all right. Whatever the verdict may be, it's okay. I am good because to live every day that God has me on the earth, he's going to talk about in a moment, is Christ. And when I get to go home, that's the victory. He's like, can't you see it? And then the the idea in his prayer in the first um, 10 verses where he's saying, and that's why I rejoice, because you're with me. You're with me in my ministry. You've participated in my ministry. So verse 22, but if I am to live on in the flesh, that will mean fruitful labor for me. I do not know which to choose. I mean, so I really want to do God's work. I mean, I love preaching and teaching. And I love, you know, Paul's saying this. I love doing what I'm doing. and Yeah, I, I've been in prison and, and I've been beaten and, and I've had some struggles in life. But it's all for Christ. And I'm so thankful that God would even count me worthy to suffer for Him. And and so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, if I live on, it's, it's, this is going to be great. God's got another plan. There's someone else I need to talk to. I can't wait to get there. Right? But um, I don't know which to choose because... If I had to choose, I, I think I'd rather be home with God. But I really love you and I want to be here with you. Yeah, kind of like our, our own situation in life, right? Well, no, no, I, I want to leave, but I, but I want to be here for my family and for the church and for my... I don't know which to choose. In verse 23, But I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to part and be with Christ. But that is very much better. Is it? What do you think? Listen to this man in prison saying, well, you know, if they beheaded me today, that'd be just great. I just, I mean, I would sign up for that. Well, wait a minute. I would sign up for it. and I really want, but, but I got to think about you guys too. Because that's chapter two. Don't just think of yourself. Think about others. You know, it's all coming together, see? So he goes on in this verse 23 again. But I'm hard pressed from both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that is very much better yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake um we were I was in a, a Bible study we were having it's a Tuesday Bible study, and we were talking about uh lazarus and in the the teacher uh, at that at that moment brought up, you know there was no funeral for Lazarus, and he you know he kind of built a lesson on that and uh, and it was my turn, which was fun. And I was excited. I said, oh, I can't wait. And I said, yeah, it was. He goes, where is it? I said, it was in heaven. Can you imagine all the angels rejoicing the day he, you know, wherever, wherever the angels took him, and that cross and that threshold. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the joy, the joy in heaven? Luke 15 tells us there's more joy in heaven over one sin of repentance. Can you imagine one that walks into heaven into into that, you know, place of paradise with God. Can you imagine the joy in heaven over that? I mean, it must be an amazing celebration and welcome. I I can't explain it because the Bible doesn't explain it to us. But if if one sinner causes the heavens to rejoice, that sinner can sin again, right? But if one person makes it to heaven, when one person comes through at a time, Can you imagine the reception of heaven in the heavenlies? And I know we're talking about paradise right now. But can you imagine the reception? There has to be rejoicing in that place. And so I got excited and I started talking uh, about that a bit. But the the idea Paul is saying to be here is really good for ministry. I want to do God's work uh, all the way to the end. uh, And thank you for being a part of me. Verse 25, I am convinced. Convinced of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So, he says, I know. Wow, such confidence. And he was right. He was released. I mean, later he went back to prison. He was, he was killed, executed. But at this moment, he knew that he would be released by faith. He just knew it. And it happened. And then he says in verse 26, So that uh, your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. And then he finishes chapter 27 with how you're supposed to live your life, right? Your Christian conduct. Your Christian conduct. What are we supposed to do as Christians? How are we supposed to live our lives if really and truly heaven is our victory? How should we conduct our lives on the earth? Right? He's he's making this this logical conclusion. You know, obviously, if we have this great and amazing award, uh, reward that we're looking forward to, then shouldn't that motivate us to live righteously for Jesus on the earth? See, He's looking somewhere else. He's not looking like we might look sometimes. Parallel. He's looking vertically. Right? The Romans, how, why would you want that Roman? If we were Jonah, we'd say, I'm not going to tell one Roman about Jesus. I want them all to die lost. But we're not Jonah. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We want all of the Romans to be saved. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if this is my moment, and this is my hour, to tell that Roman guard about Jesus, Receiving the persecution. It's all about Jesus. It's okay. Wow, that's a pretty good perspective of life. So conduct yourself in a way that's pleasing to God. Verse uh, 27. Only conduct yourselves in a, a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, With one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Okay. So now we get to the heart of the matter. Why are we here this morning? Because we need each other. That's why. I mean, you might say, well, it's just Bible class. No, you, no, I get that. It is just Bible class. You need me. And I need you. Because for me to conduct myself in the right way and to think about God and to, to stand up under the trials of life and the hardships that come my way, I need you. Because there's something about seeing someone else in the same race, right? And then we run the race together and we encourage each other all along the way. Yeah. Yeah. We need each other. The greatest... I'm going to athleticism for just a moment. The greatest athlete in the world needs what? A coach. He may be skilled and talented. Michael Jordan had a coach. What does he need a coach for? Why would Michael Jordan need a coach? Because Michael Jordan is human. He has weaknesses like the rest of us. And you go down the list of all the people, the greatest stars, the greatest this, the greatest whatever on the earth... From a human perspective, we need each other, right? I, I need to be able to see that, that my brethren are still trying. I don't need to see perfection. I just need to see that y'all are trying, right? So imagine this. We, we show up. When you Have you ever done this? Have you ever come to the parking lot early and you thought, well, where's everyone at? Right? And you were early and you, you thought you were late or you thought maybe you were right on time. But you, for some reason, you got off in your time and you got to the parking lot early and there was like, there were only a few cars here. Where's everyone at? That That's the evidence of how much we need each other. We look forward to seeing each other, right? With our, with our bright, shiny faces and smiley faces. And then sometimes, well, it's not sometimes it's kind of hard to smile because my circumstance is difficult, right? So I walk in the door and you walk in the door and, We try to uplift each other. We try to encourage. We need each other. And though we may think we don't, we always need a team. So here's what he says. He says, when he talks about conducting your lives, in the very end, he talks about unity. One spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, our faith is in God. There's no question about that. If everyone walked away from God, you you hold fast. But that's not the case right now. So instead of being in the building and um, just, I went to Bible class, realized that I have done something this morning that is so amazingly impactful and important. I encouraged my brother in Christ. I don't know where you are in your life and you don't know where I am in my life. And then others who will show up this morning, we don't really know where we are because we kind of hide stuff. You know, put my suit on this morning, cover up all my wounds. My wife beat me last night. You know, I don't want you to see that. No, just kidding. But you don't know where I am mentally, right? And I don't know where you are mentally. What would you go through this week? I mean, we know some things are are, are broadcast, and so we we get it. And sometimes we, what are you going through? And then you get here, and you go, you know, thank God, thank God, thank God. For a moment, for just a moment, you can get your mind off of all that stuff and become fixated on the one that only and truly matters. And that's God. Right. And so, the unity of, of the faith is so powerful. Think about now, Paul's in prison, the Philippians are looking at prison, because any day, in any moment, the Romans could come and knock on your door, take you to prison. You might not even make it to prison. They might kill you before you get there for the cause of Christ. But God says, through Paul, you have every reason to rejoice always so this is what we do we encourage each other we strengthen one another and if we think about people's lives and the things you've gone through it's amazing I would love for you to um, you know to be where I have been with all the brethren I've sat down with all the years of life on, on different continents if you will and hear their story some of them, you're going, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say. Others, you're like, oh, that is great. That's amazing. And, you know, life happens, and it's incredible. Sometimes, the hardships are really, really tragic. And other times, not so much. But regardless, that. That's my brother or sister in Christ. And I'm excited to be able to encourage you as you have now encouraged me because now from that account in your life, what do I get from that? And you're still here? Wow. That means I can do it too. You see that? And that's what Paul's saying. Hang on, right? Hang on for the ride of life, if you will. Whether you're in Christ or out of Christ, life is an amazing ride. In Christ, it's rewarding though. Because there are rewards to come in this life as well as the life to come. So the idea is hold on, don't be alarmed, right? Don't let it catch you by surprise. You're you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you see you see Romans and don't be surprised. They pull you over and say, "Hey, um, I see you got a you got a letter in your hand. What, what's that? What kind of parchment is that? word? And you have the Bible in your hand, a letter from Paul or a letter from Peter or whatever it may be. And you have to give it to them. And they go, oh, Christian, huh? come with me. Don't be surprised, right? Verse 20, um, 28, in no way be alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them. Huh? That's the opposite. No, 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 no. They're, they're about to destroy me. No, they're not. Don't worry about you. You're good. This is their own destruction. Oh, okay. But of salvation, oh, I get it. Back to your perspective. Right, salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted, for Christ's sake. Not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. You know the Bible's from God, right? <laughs> Who writes this? Who writes like this? You know, I want you to know you're going to suffer, and it's going to be great. I'll tell you. This is gonna, what? <laughs> That's not. What are you? What are you talking about? Yeah, if God counts you worthy to suffer for him that's amazing oh that makes sense and then you start reducing that to well we've done that for others haven't we we've been willing to suffer for others sometimes we don't even think about it we just, we just jump out there and help someone out that may be in need or if you were in the military you signed up to go to war to defend the country Sometimes we found ourselves in dire straits in life. And we, yeah, we do it. The difference here is you do it intentionally and with purpose because you're doing it for Christ, right? I am a Christian for Christ's sake. I am trying to tell someone else about Jesus for Christ's sake, not about me. My reward's coming. And then in closing that out, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me, and then comes the condition. If there is, if you notice in life that you can say Amen to verse one of chapter two, you ought to say Amen and realize, you know what? There's some there's some good reasons for us to stay faithful and be like Jesus. Verse one says, "If there, uh, there, excuse me. If therefore there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit." If any affection and compassion, if you've gone through any of this, right, in Christ, if you can look at your life and realize that you've been encouraged by Jesus through his word, right, maybe through the brethren, if you found any kind of consolation, if there's any fellowship in the spirit, I mean, if you could say, you know, God was there and only God could have helped me and God did and and God sent you. God sent this individual or God sent this situation and it was looking bleak but then this happened if any of that is true in your life I know it is then he says make my joy complete so rejoice always in the Lord again I say rejoice and then chapter 2 and verse 2 he says make my joy complete by being of the same mind what kind of mind? unity he just finished that didn't he? chapter chapter 1 Unity to be united in spirit, to make it your intention to be of a united body of Christ, of believers, to come to the point in your life to where you are not a divisive person, but rather your desire is to bring all the good that you can bring and muster up within yourself to the body of Christ, right? So that I can use me as God uses me I can use me, my talents, my abilities. Older folks can't do some of the things that younger folks can do because of age. Just just can't, right? More difficult. Well, yeah, they could do it maybe. But we wouldn't expect the older members to move all the chairs around. We'd expect the younger members to do that, right? God, use me, allow me to be utilized by you for your service in the kingdom. Wherever that might be, let me be just for that moment that individual make my joy complete by being of the same mind so keeping that bond and that amazing unity of the faith you know what people say when they go from one group whatever that group may be whatever that setting is if it's a group full of chaos only a chaotic mind likes that but even in chaos they too love unity you know, people say, you know, I felt so welcome when I went to that church. What are they thinking of? Unity. They accepted me as one of them. You know, when I went to that building, to that church, as they say, when I went to that church, they, they I, you know, normally I just stand around and, um, and and people just ignore me. But no, that didn't happen. I, I walked in and everyone was just so friendly and so kind. And I just started like, I, I thought I was one of them, you know, and they get excited about being welcomed into a church family or into some group entity wherever it may be unity is powerful it's powerful and i'll tell you something that um that one lady said to nikki yesterday about the clothing drive she says you know the one thing about coming to this clothing drive i've gone to clothing drives before in different churches and places and people kind of give me the uh what do you say stink eye i think something like that right they don't really they kind of look down at me they look down on me but not here when i came to this place." You guys are so friendly and so helpful. And you just were like, I was like, wow, I'm one of them. She felt so good about just being here, though she was being, you know, getting clothing that she needed. She was being served. And she goes, that was great. That was different from any other place I've ever been to. Well, see, that's great. That's what we're supposed to do. So for every member of the body and, you know, everybody that comes to that door, we should be that toward each other. Right? Every one of us taking making the effort to make someone else's day thank you god for the opportunity because here's what's going to happen at some point i might need you to make my day right what a beautiful beautiful understanding of christian the christian walk of faith verse two it says make my joy complete being by being of the same mind maintaining the same love united in spirit intent on one purpose just one thing Back to that unity, that desire, that Christian love, he says, "Stay away from selfishness. What did Jesus say? I did not come to be served, but to what but to serve hmm, what if we kind of had that same attitude i want I want to serve you, no, no, I want to serve you, no, no, I want to serve you right <laughs> but isn't that what we isn't that who we're supposed to be? Right? Servants. Remember how the letter opened up? Paul, a bond servant. Right? Servants of Jesus, which means we're also servants of each other. There's nothing wrong with that word. It's a beautiful word in Christ. To serve one another. Oh, you know, not this attitude. Oh, they'll they'll get it done. No, this attitude. How may I be of service? Right? Do nothing from selfishness. Very next verse. Or empty conceit but by humility of mind. Do do nothing. The opposite of, of service is is where we're going in, in verses 3 and verse 4. It's the opposite. To be selfish is the opposite. No, I want to serve. So, well, let me read verse 3 and 4 and then want to talk for a minute. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, That each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then, what's the greatest example of service? God. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Because that was the trouble that everyone had. A king doesn't die. You know, long live the king. Right? No, but your king volunteered to die that doesn't make any sense your your king gave himself wait your king took your place that's not supposed to happen in life in life we're supposed to look out for ourselves but god says in christ you're supposed to look out for others well then who's going to look out for me well watch how it works. so if i start over here with Sister Celia and I go around the room, she goes to Melissa and then Danny, you go around the room back around. Guess what happens after it gets over here? It gets right back to me. Right? We're okay. Right? Our jobs not to get into the mind and hearts of other people because that's that's only going to happen if they reveal it. But our job is to implant something into their heart. And what is it? Unity and love and encouragement of the brethren because we're all going through something or we've at least gone through something and if we're not making the effort to um, it's a really big word I don't even know if I can spell it listen <laughs> I like to talk about me but am I willing to listen to you, right? you ever, you ever had this before happen how are you well I was just oh that's great because they weren't they weren't sincere they didn't want to listen to what you had to say it was just a normal greeting hey how are you today I'm not so I'm not doing so I used to have an employee and she was um uh, <laughs> she was funny she would tell you exactly what was on her mind so if you ask a question be willing to listen right and Ellen you'd say hey how are you doing today Ellen and she'd say it's hot, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm this, I'm that, and she'd be so dramatic with it. It was really cute. When you say, Don't ask Ellen how she's doing unless you really want to know. That's when I was in, in business back in the day. As Christians, we should always want to know. Right? I want to hear. What's going on? What's what's where are you hurting? Maybe I maybe I maybe there's nothing I can do, but maybe I know someone that that could help you. Or have you ever had this happen before? Where, where you're talking to someone and they start telling you their story, whatever it may be, and then and then they're finished, and they go, "Oh, you helped me so much, and you haven't said a word, but you listen, he shows you care, right So it's not always about what you say, but it's also about what you do. so here's what the apostle says: don't be selfish. don't make it all about you and here's one sometimes the hardest thing for some of us to get to and I, and I get it I I'm not I'm not in any way you know casting blame or anything but get in the church building and get out no stay around and say hi to somebody right make someone's day what a what a gift be like Jesus so service is it is it better to I want you to think about this question for just a moment Is it better to be the person who serves or the person being served? Kind of a tricky question in a way. It's it's tricky on one hand because if you're being served, you're thankful you're being served, but why are you being served? Because you need help. (laughs) There's something going on in your life and you need help, whatever it may be, whether you're whether you're whether you're in the hospital or or you're you're struggling or or you just you just need someone to move something or whatever it may be, just if you're being served, you're the one in need. But if you're serving, you're fulfilling a need. You see what Jesus is saying to us? When I came to the earth, I came to fulfill a need. Because Jesus is the only human who didn't have a need. Isn't that amazing? He's the, he's the only one. He had no need. None. And that's why he could easily say, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Because God doesn't need anything from us. Think about that. You know, Emmanuel, who was with us? God with us. Jesus. He not he didn't need us. We need him. And if we keep that mindset and say, yeah, I guess you're right. He, and he doesn't need me now. Wait a minute. He doesn't. Need, no, he doesn't. God doesn't need me to exist. God doesn't need me to do his will. God doesn't need me to teach, preach, say a word about him. God doesn't need me at all. Not one iota. Guess who needs God? I do. I need everything God is willing to give to me. God doesn't need us. We need God. And God says, here's how you're going to get the highest good out of being a Christian. Serve. Be a servant. Everybody wants to be a king. Hmm? Got to have some servants. Even a king needs servants, right? Be a servant for Jesus. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And again, in verse 4, in closing this out, verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind that each of you regard one another as more important than himself. That's some great value. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in God. So when someone says, "What would Jesus do?" Serve. That's what he would do. Right? Okay, we got a few minutes left. Um, the, the Bible class is yours. Uh, I thank you for that. Um, we'll pick up next week, low willing, in verse five, and read all the way up. Um, try to get through into chapter three. Um, the, I'm sorry, I'm piecemealing it, but it's the best I know how to do uh, in this with the 13 weeks that we have to get through. So, thank you for your time this morning. God bless you. Uh, we're dismissed.